One of the most polarizing things you can call someone with a disability is inspirational. People either love it or hate it. My name is Nate. I'm a wheelchair user, and I call my show We're the Inspiration, featuring real stories about people with disabilities and some of the people closest to them. These stories are not designed to inspire, just to entertain. Every once in a while, based on the name of the podcast, I get emails from people with objectively inspiring stories, some of which have nothing to do with disability. But a couple of months ago, I heard about a woman who grew up to be a doctor, but as a child had cancer and got involved with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So first, Dr. Jen Pratt, thank you for being the inspiration for this episode. Well, thanks for having me today. So first of all, tell me about your background and, if you will, how you became, for lack of a better word, a -a Make-A-Wish kid. Yeah, for sure. So uh, things were pretty uh, typical for me. I had a pretty normal childhood uh, up until I was around 10 years old. At that point, I was a pretty athletic kid. I was playing basketball. I was involved in figure skating, going to school, kind of the typical like fifth grade kid sort of things. Uh, And then one day, my uh, whole world completely was turned upside down. I had developed a pain in my knee, uh, which I initially attributed to a sports injury or my family thought maybe it was growing pains, um, something probably, you know, that was relatively benign. But that pain continued to become problematic, wake me up at night, and it just wasn't going away. I was taken to my pediatrician and I was sent for an x-ray and that, that that visit was essentially diagnosed with a bone tumor uh, growing around my knee. That same day, we were sent to go see an oncologist. And uh, later that week, I got the diagnosis of osteosarcoma, which is a type of bone cancer. So that was big. I think anyone who's gone through this type of experience of having a child with cancer, critical illness, knows that things can change very quickly. And uh, that was a significantly uh, impactful event on my life and really the whole trajectory from that point on. From there, and I want to sort of get this in the right order, but how did you get involved with the Make-A-Wish Foundation? As part of my treatment, I had about a year of chemotherapy, surgery, um, lots of physical therapy uh, on my um, legs, kind of figure out how to walk again and uh, regain a lot of the strength there. As I was going through my treatment, kind of a few months in, I was introduced to the Make-A-Wish Foundation uh, from the care team that I had at the hospital. I realized pretty quickly that I was going to be granted a wish. And as a child, that's just like the coolest thing to be, have the opportunity <laughs> to come up with really, you know, anything um, you know, within reason that uh, you would want to do. Right. So my wish was to go to Walt Disney World and meet uh, an animator of one of my favorite Disney movies. And Which that at is? the time was some, well, good question. I mean, it was during the 90s. So I think it was like the Lion King and Pocahontas, Little Mermaid, kind of oh, that okay. era. <laughs> yeah. But it was something that really got me through my treatment. Um, Drawing and animated films was something that really helped me cope. It just had such an impact um, during this time in my treatment where it was was so hard. Like 
being in and out of the hospital, not being able to go to school, not being able to do uh, the sports and activities really ever again that I had enjoyed for so long. It really gave me something to look forward to and it gave me hope. With that, I you know, really just was given the strength to keep going and to be positive. And it gave me the feeling that there was this whole community behind me that validated what I was going through, but also gave me a reason to celebrate at the end of this treatment journey. You know, what's strange is that when you were telling certain aspects of of that part of the story, I realized that I've never had a terminal illness. I have a disability, spina bifida, but there are not a lot of clinics and doctors who really know much about spina bifida in adults. So mm-hmm. what would happen is I would go to pediatricians like well into my high school years and stuff like that. So, you know, the idea of, you know, watching Disney movies in hospitals, like I, I had flashbacks of that because I had uh, spinal fusion in high school, actually. And I was in and out of school for quite a length of time, my last two years, basically, in and out. And it's not that I was so much watching Disney movies, but I was around a lot of kids that were doing it. And I I think Mm -hmm. those were the ones that had the terminal illnesses sometimes. And, you know, that had nothing to do with your story necessarily, but like... I think I can sort of latch onto that mindset as it, as you had when you were a kid. But yeah, um, I think yeah, in a lot of ways it provided a sense of escapism too from something that was just really hard. I mean, on many levels. And it's hard enough it to kind wrap of, around your wrap your head around something like that when you're an adult, let alone a kid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I mean, make a wish it really helped me kind of reclaim part of my childhood that that was lost. And I think that you, you understand too, being in the hospital, having the major orthopedic surgery, which was kind of, you know, along the lines of what I had and um, different surgeries, of course, but just long recovery is the physical pain, the emotional heartache of just being away from, you know, school and friends and being a typical kid being different. It was something that really, I don't know, just, gave me the strength to say, all right, you know, I've gotten through this part of the journey and it made me feel hopeful about taking future steps to, in a way, kind of give back or reconnect with people that were going through a similar circumstance. So I don't really have any personal experience with Make-A-Wish that I know of, but, you know, I've had a feeling for a long time, just in the way that they get talked about sometimes that, there have been a lot of misconceptions about it. And it seems in the email that I received from you, you agree with that. So tell me about some of those. Yeah. So I think a common misconception is that it's a child's final wish that these are children with terminal illnesses, that it's one last wish to grant for them, which is, you know, certainly not the case anymore. I, I feel like I'm living proof that, you know, as a survivor of childhood cancer and having had a wish and benefited from the organization, uh, it's so much more than that. And of course, in, in some cases, it can be a last wish and a way for children and families to have that 
positivity in their lives. But for so many children, most of the kids that could make a wish, it is not. Most children are going to go on to survive their illness and live full and happy lives. One of the things that Make-A-Wish does, which is something that uh, it's interesting. So just this last year, they put out uh, something called a wish impact study where they surveyed like 3,500 patients, families, uh, medical providers to take a look over the last decade, people that have received a wish. How do they feel like it really impacts their ability to cope? And the results are, I mean, it really shows me what I I feel like I've known all along is that the idea of a wish, the preparation of a wish, the experience, and then after a wish, the impact of that, it just, it goes so far beyond one day or one gift or one event. It's so long lasting. What they were able to show is that kids felt like they were better able to handle their illness. We know that these types of illness, it can provide a tremendous amount of stress or give a family a tremendous amount of stress and make a wish really alleviates that in so many ways. So children are just, they're better able to cope. The thought was even by their medical teams that they're actually able to do better after having a wish just because it so much impacts kind of that, that mental health piece and that resilience that's so important with a serious illness. I feel like also, and, you know, again, I can only speak to my own medical experiences. I mentioned having spinal fusion, for instance. I feel like something like that would be so much easier to do today than it would when I had it in the mid-90s. And I don't know if that applies necessarily to terminal illnesses like cancer or whatever, you know, whether they're easier to deal with now than they were, for instance, when you had it. A great question. So yeah, also being someone who was treated kind of in the mid 90s there, there have been a lot of advancements, which is great. And in terms of childhood cancer, we're seeing that more children survive. However, I mean, treatment is still hard. It's still long and it can have lasting effect, whether it be physical disability or late effects from the the treatments that uh, children require. And Again, not every child does survive. So, yeah, I mean, I'd say it's different, but certainly um, is still immensely challenging for families. You just mentioned that having any kind of cancer can sort of lead to perhaps physical disability later on. You know, that's a, a discussion that I like to have sometimes with people because I think there are some people that don't necessarily distinguish between someone who has a disability and someone who would qualify for Make-A-Wish. Even before having this conversation, I've always thought of it as like a cause and effect thing. Like you can have a disability that makes you sick a lot, or you can have, as you said, you know, a terminal illness that leads to have some sort of disability. Like you had to relearn how to walk, for instance. Mm-hmm. In hearing you say kind of terminal illness, I guess I would change that to more critical illness. Critical illness. Okay. And there are certainly um, people that have lifelong disabilities that have various aspects of their diagnosis that make their experience something that would qualify for a wish. And I would say as someone, so now as my role with Make-A-Wish, I'm one of their medical advisors. 
So I volunteer with my local chapter to review wishes for eligibility and then to ensure travel safety. So that's one of my current roles. I would say every situation is a little bit different. We have very specific criteria we use to determine wish eligibility, but it's not always, I think would, if I understand kind of your question, right, kind of saying mm-hmm. like a child with uh, kind of a lifelong disability versus kind of acute critical illness. Sure. Um, how do we kind of differentiate who is eligible through the program or, you know, what how does that work? And I would say we certainly do have a lot of children that have chronic medical conditions that based on their their specific situation still may qualify for a wish. So But those conditions are not necessarily life threatening. Exactly. Well, okay. exactly. So usually they're critical illnesses in that there's some complexities with them. Um, and the criteria is something that that we review. But what I would say is if you're wondering, like if someone you know or yourself might be eligible for a wish, you can even self-refer yourself. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you go to wish.org, there's a way that you can self-refer your child for a wish. And the local Make-A-Wish chapter will review for eligibility at that point because it's not always super straightforward and it's definitely not necessarily a terminal diagnosis. So I would say with that Make-A-Wish their reach is very broad. And of course, we want to grant as many wishes as possible through the organization. So I think it never hurts to apply and um, refer for a wish, whether it's through your own healthcare provider or just a family if they're wondering if their child might qualify. I don't remember who set this up is what I'm trying to say. But I have been told recently when I told somebody that I was going to interview somebody, you know, involved with the Make a Wish Foundation, that when I was playing basketball as a teenager, you know, none none of us really had chronic illnesses. You know, we just had things like spina bifida, CP, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, we played basketball in wheelchairs, but we were a, a team that somebody told me. The Make-A-Wish Foundation had selected to, as you did, go to Disney World for one day. (laughs) And I remember doing that, but I didn't remember the Make-A-Wish Foundation being involved. So that's that's just a a weird side story, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. Is that something that, that they would do for just kind of a... yeah. The wishes are individualized, so there's a whole process to apply and be granted a wish, which is something that you can look more into through your Make-A-Wish chapter. There's also various events that are going on through like local Make-A-Wish chapters that may be specific to a region. Hmm. So definitely to learn more, that wish.org is like the best best place for people to go if they're gotcha. they're wondering. Gotcha. We've mentioned this, but we really haven't talked about it yet. Despite how you were growing up, it's not a big leap to me that you would later become a doctor. And I'm sure that took a lot of work, but a doctor that helps kids that are in the situation that you sort of grew up with. Yeah. You know, I think there's some children that spend a lot of time at the hospital and in the medical world and they decide I don't want to ever be here ever again (laughs) and they go do something outside of that that (laughs) area which hey I I completely hear that perspective for me I 
I knew as I was going through you know, that experience that, that this is what I was going to do. I, I was very drawn to healthcare. And shortly after the main part of my treatment was done, I got involved with the hospital. I was part of a peer-to-peer support program where I was mentoring other kids who were dealing with either chronic or life-threatening illnesses. So not just cancer, but other things as well. That program, it was really just neat to be able to connect with someone on more of a friendship basis, to be able to kind of form a relationship where I was able to support someone and help them through kind of the challenges of their treatment or their condition. From there, you know, I, I, I just was really set on going into healthcare. And ultimately, now I'm at the same hospital that I was treated at. And, um, oh, wow. It's yeah, so complete I full circle. full circle. Yeah, complete full <laughs> circle. <laughs> yeah, so I feel very fortunate to be able to do what I do. Now, you mentioned you're now an advisor for Make-A-Wish, but does that mean that you sort of have been involved with them the whole time, even like when you were better? And I did not really stay in touch right after my wish. Um, a period of time had lapsed and... I was approached to do some just local media talking about my wish. And from then I um, have had more opportunities to be able to share my story and just to get involved. (laughs) Yeah. Just like this, which is great. I, you know, I love it because I, I've been able to see kind of firsthand as a physician now, how much my patients and families benefit from this organization. Sure. It's incredible. You walk into a room, if a child has had Make-A-Wish or benefited from them, just ask about their wish and you'll see everybody's eyes just light up. They're so excited to either talk about a wish that's coming up or to even just talk about the memory of a wish and how impactful that was in their experience. And I think we need more of that. We need more hope. We need more joy. I think wherever we can find it and Make-A-Wish, it does that for families and kids. I'm going to modify the last question that I, that I usually ask people because the name of my show, and I explained this in the email, kind of has a double meaning in the sense that sometimes people with disabilities are called inspirational for what we consider no good reason. No mistake about it. You have a truly objectively inspirational story. But did you find you got a lot of comments like that just being inspirational when you were a kid and had cancer? Yes. And, you know, I I don't know that at that point when you're going through treatment that you have much of a choice (laughs) you have to do to survive and and get through these difficult times. It's what you do after that, that matters, that we have a choice. We have a say in that. I can't say I disagree with that. Okay, Dr. Pratt, I want to thank you for being the inspiration for the episode. Thanks to everybody else for listening. Remember, we're on TikTok, Discord, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Links are going to be in the description. Until next time, this is Nate Lurie saying you don't always have to do a lot to inspire others.